You wanted to see me, Miss Swinton? Have you been hearing about the new government modernization efforts? AI, RPAs, data science. Things are changing at this agency, and people will need new skills. Oh. I'd like you to get some training. Huh. Look at this management concepts catalog. Wow, over 275 courses. That's right, in local classrooms or instructor-led online classes. We still have budget in this fiscal year, so sign up online. Advance your career with courses from Management Concepts. Get a catalog at managementconcepts.com or call 833-578-8466. Want to create a breakthrough gene therapy? Pioneer aerospace excellence? Start a global hospitality brand? Be next to do it in Montgomery County, Maryland. Visit bnext.thinkmoco.com to see how our top talent, diversity, and location will help you be the next company to change the world. Hello everybody and welcome back. Thank you very much for joining me. My name is Deborah Hatswell and you're listening to BBR Investigations. Recently, I shared a case with you all from Wales where a man saw a small pack of dogs that had tumour faces. Now, I'm often asked how I work a case when it comes in, and to be fair, each one is unique. Some people share their account with me once, and that's enough for them, while others, it sets off a journey looking for answers. If the witness is up for speaking with others, then I try and find another similar report to theirs or at least something close so they can speak with the person involved. Years of doing what I've been doing have taught me the wisdom of patience. When I release a new report or podcast, I usually wait a week or so before I do any updating, as invariably someone will reach out to me and have information that I can share with the witness. In the case with the human face dogs, the witness did not feel that he needed an investigator to visit. It was more a curiosity peaked in the hopes of finding answers. He was, and still is pretty confused about the events that morning, which is understandable. A small breakdown of what happened was, I was at home late one evening, so I decided to sleep in my car. It was around 5.30am, I parked up in a dead-end lane, no houses for two or three miles or anything other than fields. I got out to a call of nature, and as I was doing that, Around four to five dogs came running up towards me from absolutely nowhere. They were small dogs of no particular breed, but they had human faces and they were coming towards me. A week after airing this experience, I was contacted by two people who found the report of interest to them and they felt that they maybe could help out with information. The first man was from Swansea, who had a very real and lucid dream about dogs that had human faces, and now our first witness was from Swansea as well. 
He said, hi, Deb. I recently listened to your show regarding sightings of dogs with human faces. And coincidentally, in March 2020, just after lockdown started, I had a dream of a dog with a horrible looking face. And it was walking along the Kingsway in the centre of Swansea. So I found the report really interesting. Another listener contacted me and added, Hi Debbie, I've just listened to your most recent podcast where you share the experience a man had with dogs with human faces. And although this email is not a sighting, it could be relevant, so I thought that I'd share it with you. Many years ago, I lived and worked in Southern Ireland when I was about 17. I worked at a small chicken factory in a very small village. One lunchtime, I was walking to the shop with the other workers of my age, and I was surprised how many stray dogs there were around locally. I remarked on it, and one of the lads said, there's a dog with a human face that locals have seen running around the area. I was horrified to hear this. I have very visual imagination, and I've never imagined that anything like that existed outside of a horror film. I said, that's BS, I'm not having that. And one of the girls said with a straight face, I've heard about that. I just shut up and they carried on talking about it. It didn't seem like they were pulling my leg and it wasn't mentioned again. I just thought it might be helpful if someone has seen something. I agree with this lady. I too would not like the idea of meeting a dog in the night, let alone one with a human face. Is that a hybrid of some kind? Like a dimensional abomination? I don't know. I do think there are other reports out there yet to be shared. If I get any updates, I'll certainly let you know. One of the reasons I wait a while before updating or even releasing a report can depend on many things, the most important being the witness themselves. Or it may be because I have another report at the same spot and I have an investigator looking into that on my behalf. I found over the years this works really well. One case I worked on a while ago now sat for a while as I chatted backwards and forwards with the witness. She shared more and more information, some of which she'd forgotten. I have to say, I have a fondness for this report, as it reminds me so much of growing up with my parents. Dad would be off building something or fishing, and me and my siblings would just play in the woods and the fields. We did a fair bit of scrumping in our time. Reminds me of days on the River Severn or the Trent. Hazy days, hot summers and sleeping on the way home in the car. Excited to show mum our finds. The Slindon Growl. My late grandpa and grandma had a pumpkin farm in Slindon near Arundel in West Sussex. We visited them six to eight times a year and from a young age, myself and my three siblings helped out with the harvesting, chopping wood, serving customers and we used to explore the village and the surrounding areas. I was maybe seven or eight at the time of this event, so it would have been 86, 87, at the start of the autumn. I was the youngest, and the eldest was 12 to 13. All four of us were in a patch of woods opposite the local college, playing with sticks and sword fighting with them and using them as walking sticks, looking for squirrels. We were very nature-oriented kids and we were very sensible. While playing with our sticks, we heard what we could only describe as a lion's roar. It came from the right of us, from where we were standing, and it sounded close, between 15 to 20 feet away. I still remember the sound to this day, 
and I could describe it in more detail than I could then. It was a very, very loud. It had a gruff raspiness to it, a lion's roar. But when lions roar, the change in their tone is evident and it's level and quite prolonged. But this sound didn't change tone or have a change in tone at the end either. It was just one continuous sound in a brief, gruff exhale. Asthmatics have a tool that they puff air into to measure lung function and they expel air into one short, deep blow. I liken the sound and length and deepness of that huff to be the same. On hearing that, we threw our sticks and we ran as quickly as we could back to Grandma's house. Grandpa said uh, the local college bred and kept wallabies and that some had escaped, so the noise would probably be that, and he just dismissed it. At the time, I didn't know what a wallaby was, let alone what they sound like. I obviously now know wallabies don't make any sound that we heard that day. It happened in a little wood opposite Slindon College, and my grandpa's pumpkin farm was on top road. She actually updated me. She said, all these years later, I can still remember that day. I was wondering if you knew where I could get hold of or look at newspaper articles or reports of skeletal remains. I asked her because it was my dad's birthday yesterday, so I was hoping to have a good chat with him on the phone about all sorts of things. And I mentioned that we'd seen pheasants and the pheasant shooters down the road from the woods. And I took my other half and the kids last year to have a good look around the woodland there. And my dad asked jokingly if we found any bodies or anything strange around the pheasants. I was a bit shocked and I said, why? I asked him to explain. And apparently when he was about eight, him and his older brother, who would have been around 10 at the time, found a whole skeleton in the chalk rock face there at the old Slindon bottom gravel pits. He and his brother brought it all home and he laid it on top of a big board on the dining room table. And they actually made a full skeleton out of it. Of course, when his parents found out, they phoned the authorities straight away. My dad went on to... Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Leftovers. Or... The DMV. Number 97. Or... House cleaning. Or... Chumba Casino always brings the fun. Play over a hundred different games online for free from anywhere. You could redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. Live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. To explain, the skeleton was pretty big from what he remembered, but he was only about eight. 
I told him about the time we came across the derelict large pig farm enclosure that I told you about, Deb. We had set of buildings further up the track in the woods. And he just came out and said he used to cut through the woods as a kid with his mum. And they all used to hear strange animal noises. His mum would be practically sprinting through there, pulling them along, telling him to hurry up. She told him it was Roman chariots. I told him what Grandpa said about the roar we heard being a wallaby. And my dad mustn't have been in the room back then because he said he didn't know that conversation. But it certainly wasn't a wallaby that he'd heard. My dad was born in 48. So any records of this skeleton would be mid-50s, I would say. She said she'd searched high and low for years in the hopes of finding a record of that skeleton. If any of you out there have heard of that or, you know, if it went into the newspapers or anything, please let me know. Now, the report that came in from Slingdon and a place quite close to the area I feel needs investigating and that's why I'm asking to people to come out. We have the name of the farm, you know, I just need a volunteer to go and investigate. Or could you get online and see if there are any unusual reports of any kind in a 20 mile radius of Slindon? Because another report came in when I heard this one and it's I heard stomping and growling in 1984. So this chap says, I grew up in the Slindon area and I explored all the surrounding downs. In around 1984, up near the radio mast at Bignall, I was halted in my tracks by the sound of something stomping and growling about 29, 30 feet ahead of me in the dark. It was night time and I could see nothing. I decided to seek an urgent appointment elsewhere and I just left. Now, could that be the same growler that the kids heard in 86, 87? It's only a three year difference. Now, there is a report in Sussex. It is one of my favourites, and I can't find anything online about it. And believe me, I've looked. So while I'm asking for help tonight, I'm going to ask about this one as well. According to local legend, the village of Lyminster near Little Helpton is home to water dragons called Nookers. And the Sussex writer and historian Hilary Bullock recounted stories of fairies coming out to dance at night with these Nookers. Various mythical creatures and beings have been associated with Sussex that include these dragons. Some say the giant fairies or some say they're the devil. As far as I can tell, the Nookers were a sort of water dragon that lived in Nooker holes or bottomless pools of water. As I say, if you're from the area, do you know anything about these mysterious Nookers? I absolutely adore the old tales of creatures. And I would love to see a nooker, whatever it was. I wonder how many local or regional tales have been kind of lost in the, you know, in the depths of time. They could have been spoken about quite readily two or three hundred years ago and they've gone now. Uh, and I think that's a great shame. Sometimes many cryptid reports are dismissed because they're not far away. They're not in, you know, the mountainous areas. They're quite close to human populations, like my own. I check around the world and here in the UK, it reveals the opposite is in fact true. There are multiple reports on Greenbelt land. In fact, there are reports of creatures being seen around people's homes all across the world. One report I remember taking about 10 years ago now, so always stayed with me. 
as the couple who reported it were just happy to share the event. And even they said themselves, it's not an area where you should be seeing something like that. I mean, busy Colchester, it's not the first area you think about when looking for a cryptid. But in 2012, I received a report and the witness said, Suffolk is a very rural county, but like a lot of towns in England, it's a long way from anything remotely like wilderness. Anyway, nobody will believe this, but we were out early afternoon and we were walking along a quiet road. To our left, there were some woods, and to our right, there were just some open fields. We were just walking along, chatting, when my partner said something like, Oh, I've just seen a big airy man in the woods. I had a brief look into the woods, and I didn't see anything. Nevertheless, I was keen to get away. I wasn't scared exactly, I was just keen to get away. Anyway, that was about it. I didn't discuss it too much with him until a few weeks ago. He said the figure was about six and a half to seven feet tall. It seemed to have longer hair on its head and upper body, and it was following a parallel course to us in the woods. I asked him if he'd got a good look at it, and he said he didn't remember really, but the fact that it may have looked at us made him think that it had seen us, and that's what had caught his attention in the first place. He said he could detect some definition but no clear features, and he was also aware of a strong muscular definition in the upper body area, even through the hair. He said at no time did my partner feel menaced or afraid of what he saw, but I felt the need to leave the area. I mean, I would imagine most people have heard reports like that, regardless of what country you live in. You know, you're a rural country on the edge of a city. Lots of food sources out there. There's lots of things to eat. The habitat's amazing. And that's why we get clusters of reports in areas. One of the areas you hear me speak about a lot is the northeast of England. And we'll go back there to a place named Weardale. It's known as Killholt due to the mining museum that sits on the edge of the old pit workings. It's one of an area where I received a report in, gosh, about 10... 12 years ago now from a paranormal team and witnessed a tall hairy creature that walks away from them. It's an area loved by hankers, wild campers, dog walkers and tourists, you know. It's very different after dark though. I heard from one chap who'd had an experience on Killoatmoor that he's never forgotten. He said, hello Debbie, I've been following BBR on YouTube for a while now and I'd like to let you know about an experience I had many years ago. It was in the late 70s and I was in the armed forces back then. I was on a solo navigation exercise in the North Pennines. It was early spring and I was navigating alone in a westerly direction in a very remote, isolated area that had old mine workings marked on the map. I was carrying a heavy Bergen rucksack and my weapon. The weather was very bad as there was heavy rain, very low cloud and mist. Visibility was no more than 30 feet and there was no wind. I was completely on my own, totally reliant on my map and compass. As I passed the area of the disused mine workings, I heard someone call out my name. And this startled me because I knew I was alone up there and there were no other humans for several miles. And if there was someone out there, how would they know my name? I couldn't see anything or anyone but the voice followed me through the mist for several hundred metres and it seemed to be very close to me. I had to grit my teeth and carry on. 
eventually the land began to drop away and I came out with the cloud cover and saw some sheep in a farmhouse in the distance. I'll be honest, I was relieved to see living creatures. I felt that whatever was calling my name in the mist wasn't of this world. I discreetly spoke to some old comrades over a beer to see if any of them could recall the mine works where this happened. I don't have any of my own maps from that time now, but one of them did recall the mine works and he felt that it was on, on or close to Kilhope Moor. So I think that's the area I was passing through when I heard the voices, Jeff. Kilhope's an area well known for paranormal reports. There are several large, hairy, Bigfoot-like creature reports. And one of the locals explained that the woods are known for the sound of a screaming lady. Research in this case brought with it a whole other mystery that took place about a hundred years ago now, out on a lonely moor. The moor that our soldier was grateful to see. Wonder how he'd have felt if he'd have heard this. A mystery surrounding human remains found in a coffin at Kilhope in Weirdale has not been solved. The body was found by farmer Titus Harrison. Farmer Harrison had been tending his flock on Kilhope Moor when he spotted the corner of a wooden box sticking out of the ground nearby. Assuming it had been exposed by recent heavy rains, he took a closer look at the box and was shocked to discover that it contained human remains. After he'd informed local law enforcement, the police arrived to investigate. Upon excavating the body, they discovered that it was in fact a professionally made wooden coffin. And inside that, they found the body of a man wrapped in a grey wool army blanket. He had sandy coloured hair, was five feet ten, and was dressed in old-fashioned for the time army attire. The coffin itself was carefully crafted from pine pitch and was shaped like the roof of a house. Intriguingly, a bullet was also found next to the man's shoulder, and it was thought that the high peat content in the soil had helped to keep everything well preserved. The search for the identity of the mysterious man would continue for years, although many people have asked for a DNA sample to be processed, and they feel that that would clear up the mystery. Sadly, that's incorrect. P is not the best medium for reserving DNA. Sadly, as it breaks down, it will preserve the body and the clothing and items in the grave. But I think this case may remain a mystery because it wouldn't. It would also break down the DNA. The items found on the body were taken and preserved, but I don't know where they are now, even after searching high and low. It seems the body was from the 18th century, if we guess by the clothing, and they believe it's a male from Scotland also due to the clothing. Do any of you have any updates on this case or some local knowledge? If so, I would absolutely love to hear about them. Less than an hour before recording this, I was up on a sheep farm on the moor. I'm quite glad I didn't read this out before I went out. Now, one area well known for spooky stuff by cryptid researchers and paranormal UFO people alike is the famous Thetford Forest. Over the years, I've taken many reports from the area and I have an account that I've yet to share. It came in from a listener some time ago and I've waited as I wasn't sure if there would be an investigation at Thetford at the time. Sadly, I've not been able to do that yet. So if any of you out there are up for the challenge, let me know. 
Breckland Big Cats and a feeling of being watched was reported by a witness who said, I live in Thetford Depp, spent my life in the forest with work and recreation. I'm usually around the woods in the Breckland area. Growing up, I used to go plinking with the air rifles as a young teenager on the outskirts of Thetford. I'd go looking for rabbits and squirrels to feed to my neighbours rescued owls. On one occasion, whilst laying in a thick hedge, my friend and I witnessed a lynx come out from the belt of trees opposite us and we saw it catch a rabbit. We knew instantly what it was and we were both devout Attenborough Boy fans with every book on big cats etc that was sold alongside with the old Attenborough TV series. We were belittled and laughed at when we tried to tell people what we'd seen so we pretty much forgot it and we just crept on with life. As a 16 year old I began working on a local estate helping with the pheasant shoots etc. The gamekeeper mentioned finding a weird deer carcass. So I asked him if he'd seen a lynx and he replied no he hadn't but he'd seen a deer carcass up in a tree and he'd also found a tree with scratch marks up its trunk. This made me feel a lot better as you can imagine, you know, because he knew the woods, he knew what he was talking about, he knew the natural animals. So if this kill stood out to him as unusual, it must have been. And he didn't scoff when I suggested the possibility of a big cat. While studying for an ecology degree, I worked at a local nature reserve. One day my boss and I went to check another smaller reserve close by and we met a fellow there who I subsequently found out from my boss was a contractor who dealt with pest species. He'd recently shot two dogs that had become feral and was at the location we met him at to remove something that had three cubs. He said, I then found um, at the EAU library a survey which included a sighting of a lynx by two students undertaking a survey in Thetford Forest. The plot thickens, as they say. He said, I changed career, largely forgot about all this over the years. Around five years ago, whilst driving from Brandon to Thetford, around evening time, it was dark. And I and the oncoming vehicle had to brake sharply as a silhouette of a large animal flew across the road. I continued driving, repeating in my head, round head, dearish body, long tail. And this went round in my head a few times before it sank in. I just witnessed a large cat, but this time I knew it wasn't a lynx. I'm adamant it was a leopard or something very similar. Interesting to know that there is a registered keeper of large cats, etc. in that very area. So it probably smells bang on for any feline. Moving on, two weeks before Christmas 2019, I was on the road to Hingham, Norfolk, and I caught sight at the back end of a creature. I could see hips, bum and tail of a large animal going through a hedge. And it was a crap single width road, so I was only doing about 20 mile an hour. So I could see quite clearly that it wasn't a dog, and indeed, it wasn't one of those hundreds of feral domestic cats that you get in areas like that. Sadly, there are dozens of them shot every year by gamekeeper friends. Now, this was a big cat. He said, talking this week to a mate at work whose wife's a vet in the area, it seems that it's common knowledge to some of the landowners, the farmers, gamekeepers, the vets, that there are large cats roaming out out there. So that is basically my experiences with large cats. But I also have a couple of weird energy occurrences if you want to hear them, Deb. 
Well, obviously I did. And I said to him, yeah, please, I'd love to know. He said, a few years ago, I was out shooting rabbits at an area called Warren Lodge in Thetford Forest. It was getting dark, it was about 4pm, and I arrived about 3ish. After a while, I began to feel really uneasy, and I kept looking over my shoulder. So I called out, saying, unpolitely, you need to back the or crack the con and come have a go. There was no reply to this, there was no movement. I thought this mate is whatever he is, was obviously a nutter. So I headed for my van walking backwards. The energy re remained very strong and very dark and I never once saw anything, thankfully. Fast forward a couple of years and I bumped into a channel on YouTube, a fella called Chris Haswell, I think, and he did a psychic investigation at the same place, picking up on similar energy. I contacted him, but I never got a response. I currently live with my 80-year-old mum, bless her, in a 16th-century cottage where she was born in the centre of Thetford. Thetford, as you probably know, is an ancient town and it was once a capital of the Iceni tribe. I've had a few odd things occur at our cottage, all witnessed by friends, and it was a struggle for a few years to not let it scare me or my mum, who lives in a cottage with similar age next door. I would smell pipe tobacco and old school perfume smells along with footsteps. This happened several times and in the last couple of years I grew a pair and I stood up to it and whenever something occurred I would say out loud, I know you're there, I appreciate you making yourself known and you do not scare me nor will you affect me. I respect you and I remember you but please start off. It seems to have worked as positive energy always does. He said, love, respect and a high vibration, I think combats on all levels. To conclude, he said, I would say that Breckland area has a massive history and a massive energy on one level and on another level, it's everything a large cat would need to thrive. I'd have to agree. Over the years, reports from Thetford Forest have come in and I add them to the map and it reveals a very active area, regardless of the activity you're interested in. There are a multitude of cryptid reports, hauntings, and it would seem several large panther-like cats. I've shared many of those reports with you over years. So for now, let's leave Thetford. Move on to our next case. The next report came to me many years ago now in the early days of BBR, when we were still called British Bigfoot Research. At the time, I was primarily working cases that featured an upright creature, that was a possible match for the creature I saw in 1982. It is close to a river, ideal habitat, and it's a short drive from Cannock Chase to Canton Brook where this took place. Although this case is never included in the Cannock Chase reports for some reason, I feel the areas are close enough in distance to suggest that this could possibly be the same creature that's moving around at Cannock. Our witness initials is DB. And he contacted me, oh, a very long time ago. And he lives in, like I say, the Canton Brook area. He said, as a kid, we would all play in the woods down there because it was close to home. And on numerous occasions, my friends, at least five times that I can recall, were frightened away while they were cutting and collecting wood to build dens with or, you know, build ramps with. Each of my friends described the same thing and they all called it a creature. A huge grey figure appeared and chased them screaming to the edge of the woods and stood watching them from the edge of the trees. 
They're very old woods with the remains of a Saxon mill and the oak trees are really large. The stream is some 20 metres down a deep drop. No children will pay down there anymore due to local tales like this. To this day, locals report this wood has been haunted due to the howls and wails I heard here and the dogs don't seem to like this area either. He said I started digging and asking around locals and friends if they knew any stories or anything like this. The first person I came across that would fit with what my friends saw was another sighting of a, a predator-type creature described as a bear, and that was in Brosley, about seven mile away. This time the witness saw multiple of these things who seemed to group together. It seemed they stood out enough to be seen, and they were spaced out almost the length of a bus, and they were in a field between Barrow and Brosley. When they appeared, they were golden to brown in colour, but they faded out again. This witness was very unnerved and does not wish to be named. The second case stab was something that I followed up on from a post on a Brid North Facebook group. The witness had made the post as he was walking his dog with his wife and their three-year-old daughter when they heard an enormous growl that shook them. The Springer Spaniel was terrified. They began to hear the sounds of something large crashing through the foliage. He posted in the group to ask for similar accounts. David said I tried to pin him down for an interview to get more details, but when asked, he wouldn't say. He just said it was in the daylight, it was in Woodland by the River Severn, between Bridge North and Shrewsbury. I know the River Severn in the Avon, which runs not too far away from the first report at Cantonbrook. The creature of creatures could be using those rivers, the streams and the brooks, to move around the area mostly unseen. I remember staying in Evesham area with my parents. My dad used to match fish and he fished for England back in the day. So we'd often be running around the woodlands, you know, he'd be driving him mad with our noise. Evesham has a special place in my heart and it's also one of the areas where we had a very rare report. It would seem that as I was in Salford, struggling with what I'd seen, in a house in Evesham was a small boy who had the same kind of scare. He said, my name's Tyler Roberts and I'm about to tell you about my experience that happened when I was around the age of 14 or 15. It's an experience that I've tried to forget, but I failed miserably to do that. It's not easy to forget which is why I'm writing this down and I'm seeking information almost 20 years later. Tyler said to me, he was telling it me once and that was it. He didn't want anything else to do with it. And he stood with that. I'll give him that. He said, late one night, I was walking the usual route. I'd walk with my helm. It was around 10, 11 p.m. It was dark, quiet. As a youngster, I was allowed out later than the majority of my friends due to lack of good parenting in our home. I was often out late on my own. I went home when I felt like it. Anyways, on this route, I had to pass a small area of disused land that was very overgrown. It was thick with brambles, trees, bushes, and overgrown grass, etc. Which also gave me the creeps every time I had to walk past it, especially at that time of night. As this area was on the right-hand side, it always made me veer off over to the left side of the road. As I made my way to the opposite footpath, out the corner of my eye, I could see a largest bulk directly beneath the lamppost. That made me look at it harder, as this type of thing wasn't normally there. 
To my astonishment and utter disbelief, I saw what seemed to be an animal of some sort. I presumed it was an animal, as it had rugged hair all over it. I could see its body, and it was kind of raising up and down to the motion of someone, something, breathing. And what seemed really odd, that I had my eyes not quite believing, was that they seemed to be standing on two legs. It was upright on its hind legs. It was about a metre high, so not large. It was standing with its back towards me. I just couldn't figure out how this animal was standing up so easily. At that point, I started to quietly approach the figure, thinking that my eyes just must be receiving me, you know, kind of hoping it was just going to be some shaggy rug that a neighbour had left out. I wanted to debunk any silly ideas I was getting in my head before I went home. I moved towards it. Originally, I must have been about 30 metres away when I first saw the thing. I'd got towards the creature and kind of questioning my eyes the whole way. My heart's beating faster and faster the closer I come to it. My man was racing. It was no dog. It wasn't a rug. And it certainly couldn't possibly be a small child in some kind of Halloween costume out there at, like, that time of night. Whatever it was, it was definitely an animal and it was stood up on its hind legs, as if it was bipedal. When I got close enough, I started to hear its breathing, and it had a snuffling that was recognisable to me. At this point, I'd left as little as four or five metres between me and it. As my mind raced, all I could see and hear was as clear as day, as I was directly beneath the lamppost, but I was still finding it difficult for my mind to take it all in. As I got a really good look at it, I realised that right before me was this strange creature. I couldn't identify it. And what seemed even more crazy was the fact that it actually appeared to be crying or, you know, sulking like you might expect a small child to do. I could see that it actually had its arms upwards with its forearms against its forehead, with its body tipped forwards towards the lamppost using it to lean against or even hide its head and face in the exact same way small children do. Its body juddered up and down quickly with every snorting, snuffling sound it was creating, you know, again, the same way a child might do. My mind was astounded, almost in shock, as I stood there for what seemed like an eternity. It was probably just a matter of seconds. As my brain started to catch up, with itself I started to imagine what its face might look like and what its reaction might be if it was to catch me standing so close and at this point complete fear had started to take over my mind my body all I could picture in my mind at that point was that did it have teeth as large and as pointy as a dog's teeth and that it probably wouldn't take too kindly to me having accidentally sneaked up on it I could imagine it turning to face me. I could imagine it getting angry and like ready to attack me. Of course, my mind had begun to run away with itself beyond any control. I haven't actually seen its face or teeth, but I really did not like being that close just in case. To which I just started backing off as quietly and as slowly, not daring to make a sound, not even breathe. I was concentrating to not even exhale loudly. That's how scared I was. 
I swear it could have heard my heart thumping away in my chest, you know. I could feel it almost make my head pulsate with every beat. Fearing it would turn around with every back step I took, I was just, I was out there. I didn't take my eyes off it, not even for a second. And until I got back to my original path home, at which point I slowly disappeared around the corner out of you. Still not daring to make any noise and quite literally sneaking the rest of the way home. I carefully re-began my short walk home, continually looking over my shoulder, making sure it, I hadn't been seen by it and I wasn't being followed. Even when I got home, I carefully shut the front door, still not wanting to make any noise. I was stricken with fear. But at last, I could take a deep breath, finally being able to breathe properly since the first sign of panic had kicked in. Also, in relief of the creature having not seen or heard me. He said, I'm a rather rational person and I would never usually believe in silly stories that some people make up. So I thought, it's much more scientific minded even to this day. I just, that's how my mind thinks. But I couldn't deny what my eyes saw. Whatever it was, it had longish brown fur which I remember seeing move in the wind. I remember seeing the outline of its body and its legs and curiously the way that it had its arms positioned. My mind, even to this day, still finds it hard to believe that whatever this thing was, it was expressing a human emotion. It was crying. Its whole body language told me that. Even the noises that it created. Only this wasn't a child. And to my knowledge, it wasn't a monkey. Its shape and stature was completely different to anything I'd ever seen. Don't laugh, but do you remember the kids' TV show of an alien called Alf? Well, it had a similar outline, a similar colour and body shape to the puppet of that was in that series. It seemed to closely resemble a small child, but it was much bulkier. You know, in the way at times he said i wish i hadn't seen it and i don't want anybody to ever think i might create some fairy story like this i just i'd despise anyone that did that i'd chosen to keep my story to myself deb until i spoke told you and then he said don't get me wrong i've seen my fair share of strange goings on but all that could be explained rationally you know it could have been created by some natural and man-made means but not this I know all I had seen that night was no trickery of any sort and that I would never be able to prove my story, at least not until some kind of evidence is found. I await that day with the knowledge that I know something is out there, whether it be an alien, which I doubt, he said, Bigfoot, whatever it is, whatever name you want to put on it, it was a creature and it must have been able to hide from man for many years now but the fact remains I know it's out there somewhere and to this day and in the future I'll never forget that night in question it was a long time ago when I spoke to Tyler and um, we both gelled obviously because we were of a similar age when this happened he unfortunately for him it was at night in the dark it must have been absolutely terrifying and he also carried that burden that witnesses carry with them. People 
believe that we have to answer all of the questions. If you see a UFO, people think that you should know what the alien is, where it's from, how the craft was made, you know, how the propulsion is. You don't know any of that when you have an experience. If you see a ghost, you know, or something demonic, you don't know what it is. You don't have the answers that people have for you. And like us, people who see creatures, I don't know what he was that day. Charmaine Fraser doesn't know what she saw that day. You know, Tyler doesn't know what he saw that day. Ian doesn't know. And the list is endless. What we saw were hairy creatures that don't exist anywhere in the UK is what we're told. But as you listen to these podcasts, you'll hear yourself, you know. There are hundreds of people that see things like this every day. And if it's not something like this, it, like I say, it's a paranormal, supernatural, otherworldly. Ordinary folk have impossible experiences every single day. When I first started doing this all those years ago, I used to think I was alone, but I'm not. I have an army behind me. I'll be back next week. Good night, everyone. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.